This is the Legs and Eggs Podcast, starring Fupa Jones, Heather Heather, Clem Stonestone, and Sarah Zeruthless. Oh, someone here. Yeah, someone's here. Right. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, um, is he having sex with Carl? <laughs> Maybe they're going to pound down. Yeah, he's like he's got his uh, new Carl sex doll all revved up and ready to go. Yeah, who doesn't want a Carl sex doll? Like everyone. <laughs> Would Carl fuck his own Carl sex doll? That's what I want to know. I think he'd give it ass play. Would he? <laughs> Like, finger his sex doll's ass, or would he want, like, the sex doll to finger his own ass? I think he'd do fingers. I think he'd do rimmies, you know? Yeah, but is he rimming the sex doll, or is he having the sex doll give him a rimmy? Hey, if you had your own sex doll, would you give it ass play? Sorry about all that. (laughs) That's all right. Oh, no problem. Hi. Hi. We were just asking Sarah's boyfriend if he would uh, fuck a sex doll of himself. So he said he wouldn't, but I kind of feel like, you know, he fucked a couch. So, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So why is that off limit? That's fair. It's a fair question, actually. (laughs) Hello. My name is J. Robert Oppenheimer. And I'm here to get nuclear on your pubes. Let's get pubular. Call spin them atoms around or some shit. I don't know where. Gonna blow up Japan with our love for yeah, oh no. G.R.O.'s in the hizzo We're gonna explode bigger than Lizzo Look out, Hiroshima! Yeah, Japan, we're gonna blow you up, oh What did the sanitary napkin say to the fart? You are the wind beneath my wings. Does peanut butter make you poop? Yes, peanut butter makes you poop. Does peanut butter cause diarrhea? Yes, peanut butter causes diarrhea. Is it normal when peanut butter makes you poop? Yes, it's normal when peanut butter makes you poop. Is it normal when peanut butter gives you diarrhea? No. It is not normal when peanut butter gives you diarrhea. Why does peanut butter make you poop? Peanut butter is high in fat and fiber, so it makes you poop. Why does peanut butter give you diarrhea? Peanut butter is high in fat and fiber, so peanut butter gives you diarrhea. How fast does peanut butter make you poop? Peanut butter 
speeds up your bowel movements. Does peanut butter help with constipation? Yes, peanut butter helps with constipation. Does peanut butter make your poop smell? No, peanut butter does not make your poop smell. Does peanut butter change the color of your poop? No, peanut butter does not change the color of your poop. Does lots of peanut butter make you poop more? Yes, lots of peanut butter makes you poop more. Is peanut butter a natural laxative? Yes, peanut butter is a natural laxative. Does peanut butter make your poop sticky? Yes, peanut butter makes your poop sticky. Does peanut butter make your poop hard? No. Peanut butter makes your poop sticky. Does peanut butter make your poop green? Yes. Peanut butter makes your poop green. What do you do if peanut butter makes you poop? If peanut butter makes you poop, you should stop eating peanut butter. What do you do if peanut butter gives you diarrhea? When peanut butter gives you diarrhea, you should stop eating peanut butter. So tell us about yourself, Lucas. Uh, well, it's it's a pretty short story. Grew up in upstate New York. Was able to travel the country with a culinary degree I couldn't afford uh, during a time of uh, good economy. Ended up meeting my wife in Portland, Oregon. Somehow we've ended up in Vermont and uh, have about 11 acres here. That's awesome. It's been a fun little uh, journey, I guess. It's stressful this year because of the weather, but what are you going to do? Yeah. How bad did you guys get hit with the flooding? Because you're in the the Connecticut River Valley, right? Uh, Very near to it. uh, A bit north of it. We did better than most people. So, you know, Montpelier and Barrie and and those areas were really horrifically hit and continue to be hit. But, you know, we ended up with a few feet of water in the basement, and uh, which was a first for us. I spent more time helping neighbors uh, sort of deal with damage than than anything else. I saw those videos and those pictures that everyone saw, and I forgot what town it was. The water was almost up to like the second floor of some building. A lot of places that were really close to the rivers and, you know, where there are significant dams already because they expect high rains really did. Yeah, very close to the second floor. My elevation is pretty good and we're very rural. So there's not a lot of infrastructure around me to uh, sort of damage anything. (laughs) So the beaver dam up the road held and that flooded over and wiped out the road that I'm on, but that's about it. Um, And several roads in and out of town got wiped out, but we were able to figure it out. Uh, They say about a month's worth of rain in 24 hours. What really sucks, though, is that they're not looking forward towards the fact that it's going to happen again. They're sort of just patching and repairing instead of setting up mitigation. You know, get used to it, I guess. (laughs) It's going to happen again and again and again and again and again. And they're just going to keep shaming us, telling us, use paper straws. Those plastic straws are the problem. If you or someone you love has been involved in a no-loads-refused-come-dump event and would be willing to talk about it on a podcast, 
please email legs and eggs podcast at gmail.com. See Victor Razor the second on Hillary's kill list. All them bodies lie a moldering in their graves. All them bodies lie a moldering in the graves. All them bodies lie a moldering in the graves. Cause the Clintons made them dead. Allegedly. See Victor Razor II was National Finance Co-Chairman for Bill Clinton. He died in a plane crash along with his son and three others on July 30, 1992 during a fishing trip. The National Transportation Safety Board ruled it as accidental. I believe it's true. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, you really think the National Transportation Safety Board can be trusted? Exactly. And who's their boss? Who are they controlled by? But the, what's the conspiracy? Like, why? There's no why to this conspiracy. Yeah, I need to know more about what that guy did to the Clintons. Yeah, I want to know what his deal is with the finance co-chairman shit. So I feel like because he had a connection to Bill Clinton, this was thrown into the conspiracies. But why would there be a killing? It doesn't have a, a reason. Because they don't give a fuck. I'm going to go with a no on this one as well. I think it's just, there's no information. I'm going with highly unlikely just because, like, if you're going to give me a conspiracy, make it more than someone died in a plane crash. Like, this isn't even interesting. We couldn't make a movie about this. I wouldn't read a book about this. It's about a plane crash. I can watch the Buddy Holly movie. Yeah, and that's probably more interesting. <laughs> yeah, 100% the Clintons were involved. Look, they killed the whole family. They left no stone unturned. They did not fuck around. Also, it was a plane crash, which is about to get real popular a little after that time. That's legit. Pokemon, go to the polls. It's hard because, you know, you just want to believe the Clintons had your best interest at heart. <laughs> Bill Cosby was the pitch man for Jell-O pudding from 1974 to 2003. Hashtag facts. In the seedy underbelly of 1970s Times Square... Two rival factions clash in a deadly struggle over control of the local black market. The Grape Smugglers, a group of notorious grape smugglers, and the Sausage Farmers, a ruthless gang of sausage farmers, are both vying for control of the illicit trade. Wow. I can smell your sausage. Caught in the middle are a group of four strangers, each with their own secrets to hide. So, so what do we do now? We stick together and we watch our backs. Yeah, because that worked out so well for us so far. Shut up and stay alert. The four strangers had found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. And now they were caught in the middle of a bloody turf war. 
the grape smugglers and the sausage farmers were both after them for reasons they couldn't understand. What do they want from us? They think we have something they want. We have to figure out what that is and get rid of it. And if we can't? Then we fight and we fight to win. As the four strangers tried to unravel the mystery, they found themselves drawn into a world of danger and temptation. The grape smugglers offered them the forbidden fruit of the gods, while the sausage farmers tempted them with the savory aroma of their wares. There's something about the way they talk about those grapes that just seems so seductive. You're not seriously considering that, are you? Can we just focus on getting out of here alive? They're coming. Get ready. The battle was fierce and chaotic, with bodies flying and blood spilling in every direction. But in the end, it was the grape smugglers who emerged victorious. As they celebrated their victory, they turned their attention to the four strangers. Grape smugglers had no mercy, and they showed no remorse as they violated and tortured the strangers, using the grapes as a perverse tool of pleasure and pain. As the grape smugglers continued their depraved assault, the four strangers were consumed by a mix of horror, lust, and despair. In the end, they were left broken and shattered, with nothing left to do but accept their tragic fate. We should have never come here. We should have listened to them. We're going to die here, aren't we? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. 
Can you explain to our listeners what leading a homesteading lifestyle is in case they do not know? Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. I always sort of glaze over this. So homesteading is primarily about self-sustainability. I think we're all old enough to remember when our history books were mostly true. And, you know, you had these people that were hauling themselves across the country using things like homesteading being self-sufficient by using skill learning to take care of themselves. Homesteading means different things to a lot of different people. For me, it means being able to have food for my family, uh, which is, you know, me, my wife, my dog, and my cat. But, you know, they all participate in that structure in some way. You know, for my co-host, Eric, he has a nine-to-five job, which I don't have. And homesteading for him in Vermont is about teaching his children uh, skills so maybe they can sort of up the game from what he's able to do and uh, lessening his reliance on grocery stores and the sort of capitalistic uh, machine. On the most basic level, it's about self-sustaining practices, Uh, but it means different things to a lot of different people. You know, for me, it's skill learning to exit capitalism. So basically, it's like you grow your own food, you come up with your own resources that you would need to survive. Is this communal sometimes or is it just within your own family? Uh, No, I mean, it can be communal. You know, I engage in commerce. I, I participate in farmers markets where I sell things for cash to be able to pay bills that require cash. So, you know, I participate in the system. It's sort of inevitable. You know, I'm talking to you on a computer, right? So (laughs) obviously I'm not completely disengaged, but within our community, there is a certain amount of, you know, trading, you know, and going back to our earlier part of our conversation, I had the tools and sort of knowledge to help our friends who saw like significant damage to their home after the rainstorms. You know, they were super kind. They didn't have to do anything, but, you know, we received gifts from them. And when they come see us at the farmer's market, they get free stuff. And, you know, it's just uh, community for me is about commerce and trade and and helping out the people that that need help and uh, thanking them in generous ways. So it's and you can't be taxed for that, (laughs) for being nice. Sounds like anarchy (laughs) to me. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) you know my my goal is to be you know because of how far away from everything we are is to be able to be self-sufficient for a certain amount of time i'm not a creepy prepper you know because i i see preppers as people that want to keep people away from their resources in a time of crisis i am very much of the mind of being involved with uh, my community in a time of crisis and I think my town has about 683 people. It's a lot easier for us to do it. And, you know, when I start talking about it, it sounds sort of preachy to be like, hey, you should put solar panels on your roof. You know, it's just that easy. I don't think that that's preachy at all. I think it's like, you know, common sense suggestion of how you could change something to make your life, you know, easier. You do such good work that... My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. You do such good work that... And misery. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. But war. You do such good work that... And misery. 
My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. But war. You do such good work and misery. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. But war. You do such good misery. And my administration has borrowed 20 such mines. And do such good work that. And torture. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. And misery. You do such good work that. And torture. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. And misery. You do such good work and torture. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. You do such good work that. But war. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. And do such good work that. But war. My administration has borrowed 20 such mines. And torture. But war. And misery. And torture. But war. And misery. And torture. Hello. My name is Fupa Jones. And I'm Fupa Jones of the Legs and Eggs podcast. You know, in this day and age of the striking actor, I'd like to talk about an actor who strikes back. And that man is Kevin Spacey, who today beat all seven counts of doing bad things with his pee-pee. So I'd just like to say congratulations out there to Big K Kevin Spacey. I don't even care that you killed Sinead O'Connor. You keep slinging that dick. Once again, this is Fupa Jones of the Legs and Eggs Podcast. You ever drive to work and realize that your drive to work sucked so fucking hard your day couldn't really get any worse? Sunday morning, no traffic. It's like 7.20 in the morning. Just a few cars on the road. First, I get behind this person going 25, maybe 30 in a 50. And still fucked up from last night because he's weaving like a motherfucker. So I'm backed off. I'm ready to call the police because this person is a danger to himself and others or herself. Let's not be judgy. We get to the stretch of the high of the it's not a highway, it's a it's a road where it turns into four lanes. And again, people are going 50, 60 miles an hour on this stretch, but I don't pass because this person is weaving so bad that I'm afraid if I try to pass, I'm gonna get hit. So I just patiently stay behind. And as we approach an intersection with lights, we have the green light. A woman jogging to cross this lane doesn't even stop, doesn't slow down, just jogs right across four lanes of traffic. The drunk person misses her. I have to slam on my brakes and the other side has to slam on their brakes so we don't fucking kill her. So now I'm super freaked out, finishing. I'm about halfway to work at this point. So now I'm behind drunky dumbass again who finally takes a left and I stay on the road. Thank God he's away from me. Now I'm behind a scooter, a gentleman on a scooter, and he's in the middle of the road and he too is going 25 miles an hour. Speed limit, again, 50. So I'm taking a left onto a back road to cut over. He also takes a left. 
This road has two stop signs, intersections. He blows right through them. Doesn't even slow down. Just right through the fucking stop signs. I ended up being behind this scooter the entire rest of the way to work. That ride took me a half an hour on a Sunday morning when everyone should still be in fucking bed and hungover from last night. Instead of 17 minutes, it took me a half an hour to get to work. I'm curious, just from the perspective of a homesteader, you're in Brooklyn, you're in apartments, or do you have like townhouse? What are your living situations? Me and Fupa live in a studio apartment. Are you even able to like window box there or anything like that? I could grow shit if I wanted to. I want to set up a little garden on my fire escape. That's a big thing that we try to encourage people to figure out is to how to grow something for yourself. Even if you're not, you know, doing like a big carbon offset, you're doing like an indoor growing situation. We just encourage people to do it so much. Like I have a big, like four foot by eight foot grow tent that we use in the winter. The co-host on our podcast has these like cool little countertop hydroponic things that he grows everything in. You know, it's mostly weed, but it's perfectly good for everything else as well. One of my friends made like his own little small greenhouse out of like shelves and plastic in his apartment and he's growing weed and herbs. So, you know, we try. I'm a big fan of we should have solar panels on our buildings. Like, why don't we have solar panels? Why aren't we putting green space on top of our buildings? Why aren't we getting rid of cars and making more green space and those watershed areas like they do? I believe in Philadelphia, they make, they remove parking spaces and make like watershed areas. My only problem with that is that the city wants to get involved so that they can corporatize it and control it. The benefit of proper planning for something like that, like uh, solar networks and things like that, is that you have closed in grids. You know, your grid right now is probably several, several hundred city blocks that are coming off of one substation. If you have micro grids within that substation that are relying on a backup of solar or wind or whatever it is, you're less likely to suffer through you know, a prolonged incident. So, you know, Hurricane Sandy came through and I'm, I'm guessing you were out of power for a week, if not more. I never lost power. I'm in central Brooklyn. I'm well above sea level. I'm like not in a flood zone at all. Speaking about sea level in New York City, you know, the subway pumps out like 40,000 gallons of water a day to keep it dry. And it's still like a moist, stinky napkin down there. And it rains and it floods in those subway stations. Mind-blowing. But it's made for flooding. Right. But increased climate events, increased quote-unquote weird weather, you know, those pumps that are designed for 40,000 gallons can't deal with 60,000 gallons or 80,000 gallons. You know, something like a microgrid could actually offset that sort of pumping situation where one to two subway stations very close to your home could pump out more because they're on a microgrid and start compensating for the areas that are outside of that microgrid. It's just one of those things. I'm, I'm totally in favor of, of putting solar panels on the top of everything and, and not to save the planet, but to save the people that are in the subway. 
these sort of things that you're doing in a really rural area, you can still take those ideas and apply them to an urban area. Like, I mean, New York City is the densest city in the um, United States. You could still apply those things here and fix some of our problems if it wasn't capitalism coming in and stopping. (laughs) Well, you know, the money is is very important to a lot of people. And while money is important to me to pay taxes, for the most part, you know, I don't need much but a couple of pairs of jeans a year and the occasional comic book toy or going to the movies. (laughs) I, I, I keep things pretty simple for myself. But yeah, capitalism is a destructive force and uh, very much a destructive force for the planet. I feel like the most destructive force in the world. That and religion. That's tied in with capitalism. Yeah, it is. They're, yeah, I was going to say they're in bed with each other. You you know, you look to the roots of the Catholic Church and they're just they, they basically ask themselves, what, 2000 years ago, how do we make money off of this? Oh, by exploiting the undereducated and poor. And then fondling their children. Well, that's an important part of every major global economy, apparently. <laughs> but, you know, restricting education and restricting access to actual information and hoarding those things, you're going to, yeah, yeah, of course. So... I decided I was going to torture myself and watch uh, the Depp versus Heard trial, which is the movie about the trial that I wasted six weeks of my life on. Uh, you know, and it just kind of goes over everything. And I'm just, I'm just fucking annoyed because I feel like this movie, like, it's like, yeah, I know most of the general public. It's fucking stupid. Come on, guys, you have to admit it. It's just obvious. But, like, I think I am a non-biased person. Um, You know, I do enjoy Johnny Depp. However, like, yeah, like, typically, you'd want to believe a woman, especially when you are one, when it comes to making allegations like abuse and rape um this fucking series basically condescends to the viewer in the sense that they think that most people are that stupid that they got just the clips from tiktok and facebook and twitter and not watching the trial itself with the evidence that is presented coming to a critically well thought out conclusion, which I felt like um, it's just really fucked up. But anyways, that's my fucking rant. And who gives a shit? Have a great fucking day. Hey there, folks. This is Alan Vaughn Huffelfluffer. I'm here to interview respected podcaster Clem Stump. Clem, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty okay, uh, Alan. How are you? I'm doing great, Clem. What's your day been like today? Well, you know, honestly, I made some pornography. You know, I posted that on YouTube. 
I was watching TikTok for a while, you know, and I was petting some cats. It's been a pretty nice day so far. That's great to hear, Clem. Now let's get to the questions. My first question is, is as a respected podcaster, how do you know if you have HPV? Alan, let me be clear. I probably do not have HPV. So, Clem, if you had to be a Billy Joel song for the rest of your life, what Billy Joel song would you be? You know, Alan, I've thought long and hard about this, and I really think that I would be I Loved these days. It's such a vaguely horny song, and it really has that sitting under the bleachers at a middle school dance, aggressively dryjacking and crying. And that's the Clem Stump brand. Ha ha ha, that is the Clem Stump brand. Anyways, Clem, uh, let's move on to another question. Do you ever think we'll find the real killer? You know, I've thought about this, and you know OJ, he's been looking for that killer for a long time, and I'm hoping someday the real killer is found. So, Clem, is Carl real? Well, Alan, I'm really not sure if Carl is real. He says he has a social security number, but I don't know if that's enough proof. You know, does he have fingerprints? Has he gotten a prostate exam recently? Clem... Final question. Does peanut butter make you poop? Listen, Alan, everything you eat makes you poop. Does peanut butter make you poop more? I'm not sure. It definitely makes your poop sticky. Well, thank you, Clem. Thank you for that insightful interview. I hope you'll be joining us again soon. You know, Alan, I probably won't. That's all, folks. That was Clem Stump. We hope you have a lovely day. In California, a frog that dies during a frog jumping contest cannot be eaten and must be destroyed. I don't want to go to jail! And now a clip for you from Lucas's podcast, Broken Shovel, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. These like mass biodiversity areas that, you know, we see a lot of nature, we see a lot of, of animals and a lot of, of important plants. Yep. This is primarily where everything is happening. Yep. And then we've seen, so right now they're, they're saying we are anywhere between a hundred and thousand times higher of, of species lost than the, what they call the background extinction events, which is just the kind of like regular occurrence of species just kind of dying out, evolving, changing as the natural course of things. But we are a hundred to a thousand times higher than that right now by the current loss of life. All right. Remember, you can check out Broken Shovel at Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll have a link to Broken Shovel in our show description. I'm going to lick your anus. Pull it back. Don't be sleazy. Better clean that shit because it is cheesy. Didn't know it was turtleneck season. I didn't know it was turtleneck season. Cock the barrel. 
and I don't need a reason. Look at my crotch, you're just teasing. It's only small because it's freezing. It's turtleneck season. I like to let it loose. I like to let it free. I got a long turtleneck that hangs to my knees. It's turtleneck season. It's turtleneck season. Better be believing. It's turtleneck season. Uh. The year is 1986. The United States is in the middle of the AIDS epidemic crisis. Public service announcements on all major networks urge people to tell their partners who else they've been with. This causes a disruption in the love life of one Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson starred in the recently released movie Howard the Duck. Well, you know, it was my high school boyfriend. We met in acting school. I fooled around with this guy. Well, it didn't quite work. Um, there was Jeremy. He was married, and I didn't know. But, um, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. And then there was... It was a different time. It was an alien duck. He was the manager of my band, and he played guitar. But he was like a person, just it was a duck person. No, it's not weird. Author Mary Shelley kept her dead husband's heart in her writing desk. Hashtag facts. It's been eight months since I clocked into a job. How much happier are you? Uh, I am exponentially happier every day. But, you know, that's only because my wife, Meg, is like so supportive. And the fact that, you know, we are from other places and we didn't move to Vermont for me to go to an office and do customer service for an Internet company. You know, she works and she makes sure we have cash to pay our bills. And, you know, she teaches me 90 percent of what I know. The rest of it is laid over from my grandparents showing me some stuff when I was really, really young. This is not an easy path, and it's so important to have somebody that will do it with you. I can't tell you how worth it it has been. You know, we didn't sell more than like 45 bucks to the last farmer's market, but I talked to an old dude for like 15 minutes about his dead wife. You know, I know when his birthday is, and I know he's going to be 94 years old, and I know his full name, and I also called him mister and his last name and he said don't do that that makes me sound old and i pulled him in close and i said you are old it was this this wonderful you know connection that wouldn't have been possible without you know support and passion and and all of that uh, from the best person i've ever met yeah that's amazing
From the one and only George W. Bush. I think war is a dangerous place. We're determined to figure out why. Florida man tries to get alligator drunk, gets bitten. You know, fool me once, shame on me. That's it. You know, you got to try. Sometimes, you know, they're called slump busters. Sometimes you get bit. Sometimes if people don't want it, you know, maybe maybe there's an alligator. Maybe you get bit. It's Florida. It gets lonely. You telling me Florida man never fuck no gators? Florida man makes sweet love to gator. All gators, all kinds. Pansexual gator loving. Do you ever come down to the farmer's markets in New York or? No, we had a kind of a conversation the other day, Meg and I, because we we get so many mushrooms, so many chanterelles and morels that aren't available there and, and sort of doing a cost benefit analysis of coming down and just standing on a street corner with gourmet mushrooms, you know, that we pick, you know, just from stomping around the woods. So it's it's kind of something we're, we're thinking about. But um, I have a hard time with the idea of driving three and a half hours you know, sort of the carbon emission. Like we, we could take a train, but then that's more time away from what we're growing. But the emissions of driving all the way to New York City from where we are to sell $300 to $800 worth of mushrooms, 
It's a tough decision. I would rather overnight ship to a chef who uh, trusts me and I trust. You know, as far as growing beyond the farmer's market, this past Friday, I just took my first order from like a local farm store to start carrying the hot sauce I make. What's the name of your hot sauce? Yes, tell us about this hot sauce. (laughs) Well, I haven't put it online or anything yet. We will. Basically, it's just Broken Shovel Farm, which is the name of my homestead. And I have two hot sauces. Uh, One is a very sort of ordinary Thai chili and lime. Just your normal table sauce, but flavor forward instead of like destroying your insides. Uh, The other one, I call it the weird Vermont one. And it's uh, a maple syrup and chipotle hot sauce, which is uh, sort of sweet and smoky, followed by a spicy kick. And, you know, I'll, I'll make a website eventually. I'm not in a big hurry. Um, it's a lot of work. No, I was just I was asking because um, my boyfriend, Carl, like drinks hot sauce. <laughs> so I'm going to need to order some from you. <laughs> I will let you know. Um you know, I'm probably going to figure something out or you can just email me. So, but I, I make small batches, you know, try to keep it flavor forward. Uh, I actually use the maple chipotle personally as a uh, marinade for pork because it's really good once it hits the grill. But I have a friend who loves it on her macaroni and cheese. Are you planning on making one that will destroy your insides, though? Because that's the kind that my boyfriend likes. I'm considering it. It's just, you know, my old guts make it hard to taste test that. So (laughs) I feel you. Legs and eggs. Going to a strip club early in the morning and catching the breakfast buffet. Obviously, the strip club has to serve breakfast, of which there are a few. Also, if you are in Las Vegas at a strip club until like six in the morning, and after blowing all your money on legs, you go and get some eggs, maybe at the hotel or a diner. Typically done for a laugh, as first shift strippers are usually trashy. Hello, this is Clem Stump, and I'm here with Fupa Jones from inside the actor's bathtub. How are you, Fupa? Lovely. I'm wonderful. I'm all peaches and roses inside and out. How are you, Clem? I'm good. I'm good. That's good to hear. So let's start with the questions. Does a mustache look good? You're not going to agree with me on this, but I think a mustache can look good. How late is too late? Uh, depends on the state and also on the woman. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's 10 days. Have you ever encountered a bathtub that was infected with either HIV or AIDS? I did a lot of theater, so I'm going to say yeah. I'm just curious. Would you sniff the underside of my balls? It's not sexual. I mean, you know, I do enjoy the scent of a good ball sack. So, yeah, why not? Like, um, Is there something down there I should know about? What Billy Joel song would you use as lube? Scenes from an Italian restaurant. We got a bottle of red, bottle of white, bottle of white, bottle of red. You can get anything you want. No, that's Alice's Restaurant. That was the 60s. 
But I would use Alice's restaurant also as Lug. Fupa, who's your favorite Stalin? Is it Joe or is it Colin? Um, I gotta go with Colin. I gotta get his big, 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 big dick. It's a real big dick. He didn't do any genocides, I don't think. Supposed, allegedly. He just killed with his dick. Colin Stalin. Do you huff your own farts? Yes. Who's your favorite AIDS death? I mean, Ryan White really hit me right in the nads. That one hurt. Arthur Ashe, like, we kind of knew he was going to die, and it happened kind of slowly. So it was like, by the time he actually died, we're like, oh, phew, finally. They're dragging that one out already, huh? And again, nobody cared. I bet Magic Johnson's is going to be the number one of all time. Is it unethical to attend a no-loads-refused, pimped-out cum-dump event if the bottom has you blocked on Twitter, even though you've never talked to them and you have no idea why? It's a no-loads-refused cum-dump event, which means no-loads are refused. And that's that's the answer. I know we can, we've gotten into the ethics of this question before. Um, no, in fact, I bet everyone's all enjoying it. Everyone. It's good for everybody. Isn't that the point? Do you like ass play? Depends on the ass. Definitely my favorite is the Requiem for a Dream ass-to-ass style. I like to watch that. So, in a way, it's like ass play Munchausen's by proxy kind of thing. So, I like that. I got a Munchausen's fetish. And proxies, too. All that. Thank you for coming on, Fupa. We're really happy to have you. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Clem. Anytime. I'll be right here. Because I live here. All right, folks. He lives here. My rhymes are fresh like a ripe new sausage. Farming that bitch with my anus. I plant seeds of rhythm that grow into sausages. I suck those hogs and choke. I'm coming after you, so watch your 9-11. Hunter Biden at cocaine balance. I'm like a sports car, you're like a rough plug. Up my butt, wrong dog. I've got no use for people, so fap down. Lick my nuts. You know what it's about. Clack, clack, clack. Throw my heels on your labia. It's that floppy. Fix them in flats. On your knees, before I get nuts. I'm good at this rapping. I'm moaning your butts. I will have satisfaction, I will have introspection. My car just passed emissions inspection. I'm known, from here to Kalamazoo. They know me pretty good for any. I'm knee deep and rhymes better get a hollow gore. It's the one in which hot soup's been poured. I'm a lion on the mic and you're a giraffe. Their long necks make me laugh. Are you feeling okay? Cause you look a bit like Bono. I look like Sting that time I got Mono. I got a match, my face and your anus. Don't say rape in the butt isn't famous. You come here to play? I see you have a ball bag. Nuts on your tonsils, you saggy slag. I'm talking now, so listen up, bitch. You kinda achieve where well, your pussy is. Quit looking at me with that face so cunt. My foot in your pussy is a cunt.
Stump. I was sitting around the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he asked me something that a lot of people have been asking me. Many people are asking me, Fupa, you keep talking to me about this podcast you're on called Legs and Eggs. Why would I, your friend, want to listen to you talk? on a podcast and I said to my good friend famous boy band Backstreet Boys member Nick Carter I said Nick let me show you something and I took my shoe off and my sock off and I showed him my foot and I said now Nick Carter you may notice a raised bump on the heel of that foot with some red lines in the middle and I said to the backstreet boy Nick Carter Nick I want you to touch that and he did without question because he's from Florida and I said now good friend Nick Carter I would like you to take that finger that you just placed on my foot And I'd like you to lick it. And he did. Without asking. Because he's from Florida. And I said to my good friend, Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, Nick. God, I hope you are in the Backstreet Boys. And then I said to him, Nick. If you have been listening to the podcast that I'm on, Legs and Eggs. The Legs and Eggs pod. You would have known. That raised bump on my foot that you just touched was a plantar wart. And plantar warts are caused by the human papillomavirus, also known as HPV. And now you took your finger, placed it on my viral hump, and stuck it in your mouth. So you too, likely, have HPV. If you had been listening to Legs and Eggs, you would have known this. You would have been HPV. Oh, who am I kidding? He's from Florida. But anyway, for more HPV prevention and health and safety tips, listen to Legs and Eggs Pod. A group of jellyfish is called a speck. Hashtag facts. It's Harry Nash's Titty Time. $10 or best offer. Is it unethical to attend a no-loads-refused, pimped-out cum dump if the bottom has you blocked on Twitter, even though you've never talked to them and you have no idea why? Most of those words don't mean anything to me, but... I'm going to say that ethically speaking and philosophically speaking, the only true commerce between humans, whether it be in love or life, is trade. 
That does it for this episode of the Legs and Eggs Podcast. On behalf of Sarah the Ruthless, Heather, and Clem Stump, I'm Fupa Jones. Thanks again for listening to us and letting us into your lives and shit. Uh, don't forget, check out our website. It's linked in the bio. All of our social media links are in there, our Twitter or whatever the hell else we got. I think there's a Substack. And uh, also our Patreon, where you can sign up to get different pictures of different body parts of different legs and eggs people. Yeah. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Cubes, cubes, cubes.